certain shopkeeper sent his son out into the world to learn the secret of happiness. And he went to visit the wisest man in the world. And the boy wandered the desert for 40 days and finally came upon this beautiful castle high atop a mountain. And it was there that the wise man lived. Rather than finding a saintly old hermit when he entered the main room of the castle, however, it was a hive of activity. Tradesmen came and went. People were conversing in the corners. A small orchestra was playing music, and there was a table covered with platters of the most delicious food. The wise man moved person to person, conversing with everyone that he met, and the boy had to wait for hours before he could speak to the wise man. But when his turn came, the wise man listened attentively to what the young man had to ask and said that he had come there to find the secret of happiness. The wise man said, well, today I really don't have time to tell you the secret of happiness. So here, take a look around my castle, and while you're looking around the castle and taking in all the sights, and he hands him a spoon, and he puts two small drops of olive oil in that spoon, and he says, as you look around, make sure that you don't lose the oil in the spoon. So off the boy goes. For hours, walking the castle, the ramparts, the grounds, the stairwells, he comes back to the wise man. And the wise man asks him, well, did you see the tapestries from Persia? Did you see my gardens that it took decades to build? Did you see the sun shining over the hillside? And the young man says, no, I didn't see anything. I was too attentive to these two drops of oil in this spoon you gave me. And the wise man said, well, go back and see what you missed. So the boy goes back and again, for hours, sees the tapestries, takes in the beauty of the, of the landscape. When he returns to the wise man at last, he talks at length about all that he had seen and how beautiful that it was. And the wise man listened always with a smile on his face. And after the boy finished talking, the old man said to the boy, where are those two drops of oil that I gave you? And he looks in the spoon, and they're gone. And the wise man says, there is only one piece of advice I can give you. The secret of happiness is to see all the marvels of the world, but never forget the drops of oil in your own spoon. Now, that story is not original with me. It's a parable by Paulo Coelho. It is in his novel, The Alchemist but it's not original with him. He heard it from a taxi driver in Spain. By Coelho's account, it is a story about balance. One can focus entirely upon the self, looking inwardly at the spoon, as it were, and miss the whole world. And one can look and set his or her eyes only on the outer world, where there is so much stimuli and so much activity and lose the inner person completely. Balance is hard. From Brazilian Coelho to German reformer Martin Luther, it was Luther who was fond of saying that by nature, we are all much like a drunk German peasant riding on a donkey. We are always falling out of the saddle to one side or the other. It's hard to keep our balance. It's balance that I want to speak to you about today, balance that leads to peace. The balance that is peace. 
as you've already heard from Russ, it is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. We have celebrated the days of hope, of love, of joy. Tomorrow night, 6 p.m., the Advent wreath will burn with completion. All four outer candles burning with the white Christ child candle burning in the center. It is the end of the calendar year, but it is the beginning of the church year. And we begin with what we need most, hope, love, joy, and peace found in Christ, discoverable in the Christmas story. Today, this Sunday of peace, you can have peace, peace of mind, peace in your soul, peace in the midst of chaotic surroundings, peace that keeps you focused inward, ruling your heart, and looking outward, relevant and connected to the world. You will never have genuine peace by retreating solely into yourself, retreating from everything around you. Now, the retreat is good from time to time. The Hebrews have a word for it, Sabbath. We all need a break. We all need a little rest. We all need to turn down the noise. But you cannot stay there. It's neither practical nor possible. The occasional mystic can do it, but he or she is the exception to the rule, not the norm. We are social creatures. We are interactive, and we need interaction, and we need information. And as followers of Jesus, Paul tells us, we are the ambassadors of Christ, bringing God's peace to the world. And to be instruments of that peace, we must stay engaged. If we keep our heads down, minding our own little obsessions, we will miss everything around us. Do you remember or do you know the beautiful prayer of St. Francis? Not the current Pope, though he took the saint's name as his honorific title. The prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, founder and father of the Franciscan order. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. You have to engage the world to bring peace to the world. But you also have to be a peaceful person yourself to do that. You can't be that person by remaining only outwardly focused. You will never have a moment of peace if you do that because it is all too much. The world is just too much. There's always another earthquake, another fire in California, another political scandal, another humanitarian disaster. Another shooting, another murder, another act of brutality, another threat of war, always. And our technological connection, our world of immediate, overwhelming communication makes it all urgent, threatening, and impossible to ignore. No generation in the history of humanity 
has ever lived like this generation is living. Did you know that, how special you are? Go back to the late 1700s. The new United States of America wins independence from Britain, and London learns about it 21 days later, because that's how long it took the news to get to the continent. Gold was discovered in California, January 1848. It is reported in the New York Times eight months later. Leap forward to World War II. Pearl Harbor had been burning for more than an hour before the White House knew anything about it. When President Kennedy was assassinated, it was possible to bring entire schools and entire workplaces together to give that news in mass to people. My, my parents talk about that the day that it happened and how schools shut down and they had a school assembly to report that news. Today, such events like those, the students in the room would know before the teachers because of their phones, right? My point is not to be a Luddite and to give up on technology, that commercial on television I love. We're going off the grid. Sometimes that's really attractive. But that's not the point. The point is to stay in the saddle, to keep our balance, to see the world, and to manage those drops of oil in our own spoon. So maybe the wisdom of these timeless words from the Apostle Paul in our text today are what we need be it the first century or the 21st century, peace comes when you let Christ rule in your hearts. Peace is something that Christ does within you. It's not a change necessarily in your circumstances. It's not a reordering or a revolution of your world. It is a reordering of you. Peace is an inside job. That's what it is. That's where it begins. I know I've told this story at some point, maybe here, I've told it somewhere over the years. It's from the Brothers Grimm, and it's a story called The Fisherman and His Wife. The story goes that this fisherman lived in a little shack down by the water with his wife. They were very poor, and every day he would have to go to the sea to catch a fish, either to sail or to eat. One day he goes to the sea he catches this beautiful, marvelous fish, there it is, such as he has never seen before. And this fish miraculously speaks to him and says, I am a magician. If you will set me free, I will grant you any wish that you ask of me. So the fisherman says, okay, I'm tired of living in this hovel that I live in. I'd like to have a proper home. And the fish says, so be it. And so he goes home, and sure enough, in place of the shack is this beautiful little cottage, and his wife is standing on the front porch with, with this look of what has happened. And the man explains to his wife about the fish and what has happened, and they are so happy that they've got this house for a few days. One morning, his wife wakes up and says to the fisherman, you know, I like this house and all, but that fish is so magical. Why don't you go back down to the water and ask for a castle? And so the fisherman goes back to the water and he invokes this rhyme. Oh, man of the sea, listen to me. Isabella, my wife, the bane of my life, has sent me to ask a favor of thee. I wouldn't suggest that at Christmas time to anybody that you live with. <laughs> the fish arrives. What do you need? My wife wants a castle. So be it. He goes home. She has a castle. 
And this begins a rotation, as you know, of things she wants. She wants a castle, then she wants a full estate, then she wants to be queen of the land, then she wants to be empress over the entire continent, then she finally wants to be the pope. She gets it all. One day she wakes up in the Vatican and says to her husband, I want to control the sun and the moon, the stars and the wind. Go and ask the fish. With knocking knees, he goes back to the water. The water is all boiling and green and crashing. And the fish comes to the top of the water and says to the man before he can even speak, I know what you want. She wants to be God. Go back home. You have what you need. And when the boy, the man returns home, his wife is sitting once again in the original hovel that used to sit by the sea. It's not a story about greed even though it is sometimes taken that way. It is a story about control. We buy into this false notion, and false it is, that with the right muscle, in the right circumstances, we could make everything in our world right. If we had command, if we were in charge, we could have peace. But there is no command and there is no control over your world. Folks, you can't even control your emotions. You really can't. I can't. How do you think you're going to control the world? Oh, you can manage it a little while, a place for everything and everything in its place, but it doesn't stay there. The people you work with and the people you work for will continue to be contrary. Your children will not do what you tell them to do, whether they're 10 or 40. Your body will fail you. Your retirement account is not a guarantee against poverty. And if you were in charge of the world, you know what you would have then? Just a longer list of things that you can't do anything about. Are you listening this morning? We think... I can, I can steer this thing. I can impose my will on the people around me and upon my circumstances, and then I will be happy. It's never going to happen because control is an illusion. It does not exist. Peace is achievable, but not because you have everything under control. There is only temporary tranquility. While circumstances around us seem to gather the breath they have to hit us again. The world is a lot like being on the sea. The waves keep coming. And sometimes the waves are bigger and scarier than the last waves. And sometimes we have a little calm water. But just give it some time. The waves will be back. So what is peace? Peace is sort of this, I'll show you, this ballast in the bottom of the ship. Because it's an interesting word that Paul uses when he says, let peace rule in your heart. It is not a word that means dominate. It's a word that means regulate. Umpire. Let Christ give you the balance you need. I don't know if there are any sailors in the room, but a ballast can be a tank of water in the bottom of a boat. It can be concrete. It can be lead. It can be a keel. In the olden days, in the old ships, they would stack the ships with rocks in the bottom of the boat. And you would think, why would they do that? It's going to sink. 
It's never going to sink. It's going to steady itself in the water. And when we begin to talk about peace, you can't change. Every sailor knows you can't change the waves or the weather. You can only steady the ship in the storm. And that is peace. Not that you're going to control the weather. That you're going to control the things around you. But there becomes something that works inside of you that steadies you and very much keeps you afloat. Just follow the text. And peace will sort of take care of itself. I'll read it again. Clothe yourselves with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love that binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. Let the Spirit do its work of kindness and mercy and gentleness and patience, forgiveness and love. Let that work into you and you will find the peace that you need to live in this world. It will be the ballast, the balance, the stability that you need. I have one more gift for you this Advent season in these purple magical boxes. These boxes have held money. You missed that Sunday, I'm sorry. They've held rocks. That's what you get if you miss the money Sunday. No, I'm kidding. Last week, those joyful noisemakers that I hear are still making circulation throughout South Walton County. And today, a token of peace for the world and peace of mind for you. It is a gift of methylxanthines and flavanols. Aren't you so excited? Methylxanthines and flavanols have a definite effect on the human body. This little gift that you will receive today will lower your blood pressure. It will help your brain. It will enhance your cardiovascular health and your blood flow. It will make you live longer. Scientists from the Luxembourg Institute of Health assure me that this gift will, and I quote, result in superior cognitive functioning and mental organization, a better working memory, improved scanning and tracking of details, a boost in abstract reasoning, and positively influence concentration and feelings of psychological well-being. That sounds like peace. It's not illegal. It's chocolate. 